name is Cornell Jordan. This is Tom Baxter. Uh, I, I serve as lead pastor in Youngstown, Ohio, at a church called Metro Assembly. And Tom is at People's Church East in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. We just came. So um, let's pray real quick, and then <coughs> we can jump right into this. I encourage you to take as many notes as you want on your phone, your sheet. You may want to use your neighbor's sheets. Come on now. In Jesus' name. <laughs> let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. And the fact of the matter is, Lord God, you called us together to be the church that you've always desired. And, and Lord, we know that there's a lot of teaching and learning going on today, but may we all find ourselves connected to the one hope that you died and rose from the grave for. That's that every man and woman, every boy and girl will come to the saving knowledge of who you are, irregardless of their differences, Lord God. So be with us today as we discuss the matter that you have before us. We thank you and love you. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. This is Church Like Heaven. This is Church Like Heaven. And um, we we want to start, we want to start real quick. I want to just kind of tell you, there's a lot of information jammed in a short amount of time. Uh, Tom and I are going to kind of tag team this. There'll be times I'll tag him in, he'll tag me in, that kind of thing. So just know there's a ton of information. Um, we can save you a lot of stress by just sending you the outline that you'll see on the screen, okay? With some other stuff as well, okay? Um, let me just say this. Um, let's start by asking, I want to ask you these three uh, questions. Ponder these three questions, okay? The first question is this. How would you define the word diversity? How would you define the word diversity? All right? No right, wrong, or crazy answers. Just kind of note that. Just want to get you thinking. Number two. Who do you see in your local Walmart? Who do you see in your local Walmart? If you know we're ready to go down. Ready to go. Come on now. We didn't come to play. All right. And last but certainly not least, what do you want to get out of this session? What do you want to get out of this session? There's a reason why you felt led to be a part of this session, and we're thankful that you're here, but what, what, what is that that you want to take away? All right. Um, with that being said, let me just jump right into this. <coughs> we want to start by talking about the American church experience. Just by uh, a show of hands, how many of us would say we're regular church attenders, right? Just, just regular church attenders, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Can I just ask a couple of you, what is your Sunday experience like? What is church like for you on Sunday? Somebody want to want to jump in there? All right. I don't want to pick nobody unless I have to. All right, anybody want to just, what is your Sunday experience like? Go ahead. Okay, okay. What is it for you, sweetie? Um, so it's like worship, so mm -hmm. there's 20 minutes, and then I'll sing for like 10 minutes, and then she sings for like 40. All right, you even know the time. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, all right. Anybody else want to share? What is your church experience? What is your church experience? Uh, worship for 25, 30 minutes. Meet and greet for three minutes. Uh, of course, off offerings, announcements, uh, teaching for about 30 minutes. And right, let me just, the reason why we ask that question is I want you to know this. Across the, our planet, our church experiences are completely different. Mm -hmm. It was so wonderful to hear what you guys said, but at Metro, uh, let me just tell you, we already know that when service starts, everybody jumps up, runs to the front. Everybody's dancing. When I preach, 
they're talking back at me. Share it, Pastor. That's good, Pastor. You talking to me, Pastor. And the more they do that, guess what? The more exciting it gets. Okay, so I, I say that because our experience, this American experience, is different all across the spectrum. What is it like at your place, Tom? Yeah, exciting, uh, multi-ethnic experience. There's people who are living above the poverty line, people currently living below the poverty line, uh, multiple nations, black, white, and uh, you've got people who are standing there stoically, and then Terry's always yelling, turn it up! You know, we've got a lot going on right. on Sunday. Right, so, so the, the, the point is this. Uh, there, I want to, if you're taking notes, just note this. The American experience is not the only experience out there. We know that in our heads, but is it being played out in our everyday experience in the churches that you and I say that we go to on a day-to-day day, day basis? Well, you've signed up for this session that's entitled Church Like Heaven. And what does that really mean, Church Like Heaven? What does that really mean? Obviously, um, we're all smart enough to know that as followers of Jesus, our hope is to have exactly what he said as it is, uh, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's the ultimate goal, is that we are reflecting what is happening in heaven. But can I just be honest with y'all and, and just be a little bit vulnerable and push you a little bit? I mean, you know that many of our churches are nothing like heaven. Come on now, right? On a lot of levels, right? On a lot of levels, because we can read the scriptures, and then we can read into what we want into the scriptures. And so when we talk about having a church like heaven, we're talking about, watch this, if you're taking notes, the vulnerability of different. Come on now. The vulnerability of different. In other words, paying the cost to get what we always sing about, preach about, have heard a million years. Paying the cost to get there, right? So for me, I want to throw a couple of thoughts at you real quick. Um, I want you to know this. Don't make the mistake of seeing diversity as simply a race thing. Because when we say church like heaven, the first thing people think is, you know, it's about race. Oh, they're talking about color. They're talking about culture. But let me tell you something. Across the spectrum, there are a lot of distinctives when it comes to diversity. He, he talked about the economic diversity. But guess what? There's a gender, there's a gender diversity, right? There's a marital diversity. There's economic diversity, right? There's a social economic diversity. There's, there's quite a few. Let me just read. I'm going to read some notes um, that I had taken. I want you to um, check this out real quick. Just all these things. Are, I'm going to just give you 12 right up the top. Ones in which uh, you've heard us, you've heard us already mention, right? The age, gender, race, uh, ethnicity, generation. How many of you have old and young in your church, mm -hmm. right? Thank God, right? Now, guess what? Many churches are missing that middle section where they don't have young adults, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there's even diversity there, right? How about this one? Political ideology. How many of y'all have some churches that, man, not everybody thinks the same. Mm -hmm. In our church. That's a very, very touchy thing yeah. in our church because it's a, it's a collection of all of us, right? Let me just keep it going. Um, uh, our native language, relational status, as we talked about, religious beliefs, and even parent, parental status. Some people have children. Some people lost right. kids, uh, so on and so forth. So across the spectrum, what we want to be able to do today is expand your thinking when it comes to thinking about that church we're calling 
it's supposed to be like heaven. And Let so, me, so Cornell, real quick. Yeah. Don't buy into the myth of a target audience. Ooh. A target Ooh. audience is He's not dangerous. biblical. Right. It dangerous. is not biblical to say we're about That's families. That's good. It is not biblical to say we're about the younger generation. Ooh. What you want to do is be like Jesus. That's good. And be connected and affirming and relevant to each culture and each person that the Holy Spirit calls you to reach. That's really good. And Thanks. so as soon as you say, this is who we're about, mm -hmm. right? You're saying, this is who we're not about. Right. <laughs> Man, some of us got to change our, ch our church slogans, right? In Jesus' name and our strategies. Thanks so much, brother. I want to just say this as we move on. I'm going to kind of give you some, some steps through this kind of as we walk through. Um, I want you to know this. Scripture clearly calls for a church that is reflective of the heart, nature, and passion of God. See, we can be all be downstairs raising our hands to the worship song and lying in our hearts. Come on now. So what we challenge our people to do is if you're going to raise your hand, make sure your heart is following. Right? So we have to have those hard conversations. So what I want to do now, I'm going to go real quickly through um, five, I believe it's five, one, two, three. Yeah, five. Five um, expressions of diversity, okay? Five expressions. The, the picture of diversity. When, we th when I think of diversity, the picture that I get and that I've been told of is that you've heard of this wonderful word that we use in church, mosaic, right? It's diversity. It's a collection of difference brought together. Now watch this. When we say diversity, we're not saying that you have to lose your identity. Right. That's not what we're saying. Right. But what we're saying is we have to trust the Holy Spirit to be able to bring us together for a common purpose. Now watch this. One, one of the authors that you'll, you'll see referenced in, our, in the material we'll give you as you leave, he says it's like a salad. And that the original salad had lettuce, had all these different um, vegetables in it. And instead of lacing it in the American way with all kind of dressing, originally, originally it was meant to just have olive oil pour it all over it because that accentuated it. Now watch this. We know of an oil. Come on now. Mm -hmm. Come on. Can I preach? Come on now. Right? We know of an oil that would accentuate all of our differences. Right? We don't have to just pour, right? We don't have to pour all of the, the sweet stuff, right? What we're controlling God. And so what I want to say to you, the, the picture of diversity is wildly different than what our American culture is selling us. It's wildly different. It's not mega, it's not always mega, it's not always rural, it's not always urban, it's all of it together. Does that make sense? All right, does that make sense? All right, in Jesus' name. I also want to kind of uh, say this to you, the picture, watch this. I want to show you this, watch what the Bible says. I'll read this real quick. You know this, you guys are in church, you know this. The Bible makes it clear. And this I saw, uh, after this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. And then you see all these other references. And I want to challenge you. Put this in your notes. From now on, when you read the scriptures, read from a multicultural viewpoint. Because it's clear through the scriptures. If you're not looking for it, you will not see it, although it's right there in front of you. It's everywhere. It's in every text. In fact, yep. if you get into these things where you, where you get into predestination, 
right? We've been predestined. We, we take that into Calvinism and Arminianism, yeah. right? Yeah. Are, are, have you been ordained to follow Jesus? We get these bizarre dialogues. It's a hyper uh, preoccupation with the individual that did not exist in Paul's day, and he's talking about people groups. He's saying, he's writing to a multi-ethnic church, and he's saying, the Jews have been ordained since the beginning of time. They've been predestined, right, to be a part of this faith thing. And you too, Gentiles, right, have been predestined since the beginning of time to be included into That's Christ. Right. And so we've got to unhinge from our hyper-individualistic understanding of the word of God mm. and understanding it's a multi-ethnic lens. Right, and check this next one out even better. I just want to kind of throw some, make sure we get scripture in here. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul, in Paul's letters, this is clear. Paul realized it because Paul himself <clears throat> was a person that was diverse. He himself. And so what I want to challenge you to do, beloved, is this, is to look at Scripture from a multicultural standpoint. Go ahead and hit the next one. I want you yeah, to real quick. Real, real quick. Yeah, you know what this ahead. says? The power dynamic's gone. And you can even break, can you stay right there real quick? Yeah. You can break this down. This, this is class. Watch this. This is the culture. Watch this. And this is what it looks like when we're all in one accord. So you, you can break this down right in here. Right? You can break this, this passage down right here to see what it's an issue. Can you go ahead, go ahead and hit me? It's my belief. This is Cornell Oliver. It's my belief that the modern day church must strive to go from being mon- Monoculture. Monoculture is just one. Well, I'm just, can I just be honest with y'all? It pains me when I look on the website and everybody looks the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. It, I, I'm just telling you, it pains me. So guess what? And that don't mean you go out and fire everybody tomorrow. But what it does mean is we need to get on our knees and ask the Holy Spirit how we can begin to look more like those around us. Remember our original thought was this. <laughs> I asked the question, who's in your Walmart? If they're in your Walmart, they should be in your church. Right? I had a friend, I had a pastor friend that was so ticked off at me. He called me from Michigan. He said, I can't believe you said that. (laughs) We don't have no others around us. I said, well, who's at your Walmart? He started naming everyone. I said, guess what? That's who God is asking me to go after as well. You can't lose them as well. So those are the people, uh, the people of, I'm sorry, the picture of the diverse church. You want to go ahead and hit me? Listen. So how about this one, the people of a diverse church? And I want you to kind of hear these thoughts real quick, some thoughts that I kind of gave. Um, the gos- this gospel we preach is the gospel to everybody, for everybody, and with everybody. So the question is this. I love to challenge people with this. Who's not in the church? And the Lord has opened my eyes. Guess what? There's a group of people in our church. They're called widows. Guess what? We have to reach them too. I heard a stat that when when an individual, when a spouse loses their spouse, that next two years is really, really difficult for them. Many, many of them go into depression and all those things. So in our, in our heart, at our church, we're looking to, to ask God to give us the wisdom of how we can better serve widows. And especially, it says that in, in, the, uh, in Scripture, that we need to look after them. Go ahead, Nippy, listen. Here's really hard stuff, really, really hard probably one of the hardest things I'm going to say today. The leadership of your church is even more important than the makeup of your church. 
Did you catch that? Why is that important? Because if they don't see in the leadership, then you'll never see it in the church. That's why I'm so, uh, that's why I'm so proud of our fellowship. Because at the top and even on our local levels, we're looking to integrate and to be inclusive. And I'll say this again, so you'll hear it a thousand times. If we want to reach everybody, we have to look and go after everybody. Right? So guess what? Can I just say this before you jump in? You know, one Sunday morning, because our church is incredibly diverse, right? Hispanic, African, just a small church. We're not a large church. But one day I seen all African Americans on the stage, and I was having trouble. Because our, our, our hope is that anybody that walks in our church can connect with somebody. Because some, there's going to be, for those churches that are not moving towards this, and I'm not saying that you tear, rip up you know, your plan. I'm not saying that. What I am asking you to do is to ask the Holy Spirit how you can best begin to integrate and um, move towards uh, what his word is calling for. You want to jump in, brother? Yeah, so uh, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers. Mm. That's a crazy statement. If you know anything about farming, here in the U.S., and especially glo globally, you would never plant, you would never work the ground, plant a seed, water, cultivate, pull weeds, depend on the harvest, right, for your family's well-being in your community, you would never leave a harvest on the vine. That's right. So why does Jesus say the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few? Because it's an unwanted harvest. So tell them what it's really It's an unwanted harvest. And so we've got whole groups of people in our community that nobody wants. Mm. Mm -hmm. And even when those people say yes to Jesus, the label's still there. Our community is saying, you're an illegal, you're a terrorist, yep. you're a thug, yep. you're crazy, right? Those are the people that Jesus is like, I'm in. Right. Let's get this party started. That's right. And so even right. when people put their faith in Jesus and their identity has changed through the lens of society, right, they're still unwanted. That's the opportunity. Okay. That's something to get excited about. I know, in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Let me listen, I want you to hear this. Listen, it feels good. Watch this. How many of you would agree? It feels good to go someplace where there's people that look like you. But it's even better to go someplace where it looks like everyone. Isn't that awesome? Like, you know, for my kids, uh, and my wife happens to be uh, white, and so for our children, they grew up in this culture of, of diversity. And so they didn't know what it meant to just <clears throat> be in a, in a mono a, a, a monoculture kind of like experience. And so I, will, I feel like that has been a blessing to my children for that case, and that they know how to handle themselves in that way. And I don't want you to rob your children or the next generation of that experience. It's funny we can send them to school where they're different people, but they can't go to the church where there's different people. Come on now. Come on now. Go ahead and hit me. So now what are some problems, Cornell? What are some problems of diversity? Can I just tell you this? First and foremost, it takes work to be diverse. And I want to tell you something. 90, what is it? 92% of the American church is monoculture. It's monoculture. And the 8% that is considered to be uh, diverse really is just a sprinkling of others. 
They say, well, yeah, we got, you know, we, we, got, we got American Indians in our church. And it's like three, right? And if you're w with the Assemblies of God, you know when you get to ACMR, you, you can't really lie. Come on now. And some people do like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm just being like, come on now. You know, so what I want to say is it takes work to become what God is calling us to become. It's not easy. And let me just say this, as a, as, as a pastor of a very diverse church, one of the things we have to do is continue to take people back to the scripture. Right. And I love that about your pastor and what you guys are doing. Because what made the transition in the very, very difficult times was that the scriptures was the playbook for everything that took this place. This is about theology, right? Jesus came for one new humanity, right? He tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Right. Listen, I love this. Diversity simply means becoming one for the one. That, that's, that's a simple definition. It's, it's becoming one. Remember Jesus, his number one prayer was, man, I want, I want them to be tight like me and you are tight. Excuse yeah. my vernacular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He's like, just like we are, that's what I want all of them to be. If they belong to me. See, that's the qualifier. John 17, 22 to 23. Exactly. Yeah. Diversity is simple. It's becoming one for the one. Because he didn't see culture, color, race. If anything, he came to smash that. Okay? So, what I want you to know with regards to the problems of diversity is that it will take hard work. I can tell you, some people will be offended. We were sitting in our in our break room, and you told me when you guys made the transition. Can you tell them about your, the, the church you grew up in and the yeah. church that you now? Can you explain that? Yeah, so really... Churches started in 1906. We were a 99% white commuter church. I grew up there in a very diverse neighborhood. 2004, we declared a vision to be a racially reconciling church, and there was three exoduses. One, the declaration of the vision, because everyone said, what does that have to do with the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was shakeout and heartache and questions. Two, when we removed the American flag from the sanctuary Ooh. and said not everyone has the same experience in America and that's idolatry of a nation and there's a lot to talk about that and then the third was when we did diversely united small groups 13 weeks talked about issues of race and faith people would laugh people would cry we had a stop sign for the moderator right when it would get too intense but some people just couldn't handle that right it was it was moving the idea of being a diversely united church from changes that had been made to, we have to do life together. We have to talk about our issues. Mm -hmm. And so now, uh, you know, we worship together black, white. It's diverse at every single level. 33 nations came as a result. And then we planted People's Church East two years ago to try to replicate what we saw happen at People's Church in a, in a different community about 20 minutes away. And what I'm saying in all that is the problem with with diversity, one of the one of the realities, I'll say it like that, is that it takes a lot of hard work, and some people will be flat out offended. If you were to take some of this stuff back to your board, or even to some of your long-standing congregants, they're like, "What in the world are you doing?" Right? But at the end of the day, we're trying to reflect what the scriptures are calling us to do, from Genesis to Revelation. Like, this is not church a la carte. We can't just pick the parts of the scriptures we want, right? And Diversely United Church accelerates the gospel. 
So that's prayer, John that's 17, 20 uh, through 23. Father, I pray that, that they be one as you and I are one, mm -hmm. so that the world will know that you sent me. Right. So two things happen when you're a diversely united church. One, you become culturally competent, right? You begin to take on the worldview of people who are not like you. Correct. And so when, you, when you're sharing Jesus with someone who's not like you, you kind of understand the vibe, the language, the feel, because you've got people in your home, whatever. And two, it, it takes people to reach people, right? And so if you're from a, a different ethnicity, culture, gender, a demographic, life stage, economic group, you're going to be more effective at reaching people from those um, experiences, those point of views. And so it just begins to accelerate, accelerate the gospel in a significant way. And he's talking about the power that comes from diversity, which is kind of like the next point. Um, in the church, we love giving people stories, and we love hearing them stories. Well, guess what? Some of the best relationships I have with people is because I took the time to hear this. I took the time to hear this story. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that that happened to me kind of like this. And so guess what? The more we do that, the power of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit begins to, to have an effect. Now watch this. He, he said it accelerates the gospel. Watch this. A diverse church is a mature church, an inclusive church, an influential church, and it's ultimately a Bible-centered church. I'm not saying it's a perfect church. You don't see that on the screen. I never said that because we're dealing with people. Some are broken, right? But the hope is that as we come together with all of our various differences, all of our, 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 all of our, our walks that we come from, we're looking more like the church that he refers to in Revelations. Go ahead, Nimi. A more diverse church is a church that can recapture the heart of those that are distant from it. You know how many people are in our church uh, have come in the last year since I've become lead pastor of this church. They say this, man, I haven't been in church in years. But when I come here, I see everybody. And so we tell people right out the gate, guess what? This isn't about you. This is about God. So, and the funny thing is this. Our issue is this. It's not <clears throat> whites getting together with blacks. It's not Hispanics getting together with blacks or whites. It's not um, our Asian uh, members having the issue, <laughs> people saying, man, I gotta get used to this worship. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just being honest. And so guess what? The Lord made it clear to me, you know what? We have to make sure we're being able to uh, connect with everyone that's coming through. So guess what? That's a challenge to every one yeah. of our teams and our systems just as well. One of the phrases we use is get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. There's gonna be a cost. Randy Young said something really powerful. He's a missionary, pastor of a multi-ethnic church. He said this last night. He said, purpose is our uniter, preference is our divider. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is powerful. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. And I, with, our, with our, our staff, I tell them all the time, preference kills me. It just kills. If I always wanted my way, it would never be my brother Alex's way. And so guess what? At the end of the day, if it doesn't satisfy the Lord's standard, then we need to get away from it. So one last thing before we engage in some, some Q&A. I hope you guys have some, some practical questions that we can answer some things. What is the passion of a diverse church? What is the passion? Okay, What's the passion of a diverse church? The passion of a diverse church is unity, opportunity, understanding, awareness, peace, and influence. At the end of the day, I want Metro Assembly to have influence. On the south side of our city right now, we've already had 11 murders. Metro Assembly sits right in the hotbed 
of all the action. So it's one thing if this African-American pastor steps out into the community. That's what he's supposed to do. But it's another thing if all of us as a community steps out. We're, st we're standing together. It doesn't matter. The color. You know what? This is not about color. It's, it's so much greater than that. And so for us, um, we want to be that church that has influence in that way. Um, I also want to say this. A diverse church is the desire of God because it's about being united. We want to unite the church. We, at the end of the day, what we all do, when you say you come to church and it's you know 20 minutes in, 20 minutes, at the end of the day, I hope that you're redeeming people that we're seeing redemption. Right? That's what it's all about. It's all about the work of redemption. So with that being said, we want to take some time. You want to share something, brother? Um, we want to take some time to do some Q&A real quick. Anybody have any practical questions or anything you want to ask people in this that you want to make sure you give some time for that? That's so, right. Absolutely. Because, like, that, I think that's important to know, too. I mean, you can still be a diverse church and be meeting the needs of various cultures within yeah. that church. I'll unpack mm -hmm. that real quick. Mm -hmm. Homogeneous unit principle, uh, principle written by a missionary named McGavern. Mm -hmm. He, he um, kind of went on this track talking about how in order to effectively disciple a group of people, you've got to be specifically addressing their culture, their needs, their mm -hmm. language, right? And so, but McGavern himself, when he'd come back from the mission field, attended a church of people that didn't look like he did. And so he, he understood that the homogeneous unit principle is the most effective way to meet needs and disciple people, but not the biblical model for church is what I want to challenge. And that's a big distinction. And so the idea would be that we would grow more diversely united in as one church members, kids together, even the main worship service, but we're not afraid to break out into smaller worship experiences, discipleship groups to effectively meet those needs. That Because there's, there's language barriers. When you really start reaching um, uh, first generation immigrants, there's people who come who do not speak English at all, but I'm telling you the advantages of being together, the, so the social capital that exists in a diversely united church to help people adjust to American life or overcome poverty is significant. Mm -hmm. If you only hang out with people in your group, then you're very limited on the opportunities that will be ahead. And um, you know, so so you, yeah, there's that kind of both and experience that you're wanting to hit as a sweet spot. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that because guess what? What if we took away all your experience of all your friends that are not like you? What if we took those friends out of your life? What would your life be? You see what I'm saying? So guess what? I can I can be Jordans, but I also need to be Bobby as well. Mm -hmm. It's perfect here. So you're going to say something. I was just going to ask, um, knowing that People's Church did not look uh, the same in 2004 as it does today, how long did it take your church to get to that point? How many years? I mean, I know you haven't arrived, but yeah, from I mean, having a predominantly uh, white congregation, and that's the way it was, By 2010, we had some pretty good momentum. Um, 
Yeah, and like you're saying, it's continue, continually learning. You know, you use the word reconciling. Um, but yeah, I would say about five years to get some good traction. What's unique about our church plant, though, is we started that way from the beginning. And so we're trying to lead. There's, there's about uh, six to seven percent non-whites in this community where we pastor. And we're just really killing it with um, uh, being a diversity united church. And what's happening as a result of that is all the community leaders are fascinated. Mm-hmm. President of the community council, the woman who's leading the yeah, development plan, I'm sitting at tables with them and they're saying, help us. We're the only entity doing anything about um, you know, the, the divide that exists in our community. And I'm sitting with leaders who are using the F-bomb, but they're, they're coming to church and wanting to know more about what we're doing. So right. it's pretty it's cool what God's doing. We had a double murder a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, I get a call from the mayor's office, like, can you come to the mayor's doing a press conference? And before he does a press conference, he wants us to meet with clergy, and he asked for you specifically. Well, nobody asked for us because of our congregation. Mm-hmm. And, and because our congregation can be the representatives of the community in which we, mm-hmm. we live. It's mm-hmm. not just about race, uh, cultural anything like that. Um, I do want to say, too, um, based upon uh, what my brother just said, if you're not there, that's where vision comes. We can take steps. Guess what? Metro has a long way to go. And we need to make those steps. And so that's that's how our metrics are a little different now. Our metrics are way different now because they're based on us trying to be a church. We just say a place for everyone. Mm-hmm. We want to be a place for everyone. That when you walk in, there's somebody you can identify with. From top to bottom. Watch this. And here's the thing. And I'll go back to I'm going to say this. When you really get into this, Everything changes. Our bulletin changes. The pictures we have on the wall change. Right? Everything changes. How we handle um, social media, all those things. Because we want to say to folks, this is about God, not about us and our little corner. Right? Does that make sense? Any, any other questions? Yes. Um, I'm from a community that's 700 people. Okay. That's our town. Mm-hmm. 700 people. God has blessed our church here over the years, actually. It's been uh, established for over 30 years. Our church is about 500 people. Okay. You know, but, you know, of course, we have surrounding communities in Bentonville. God's been sending us uh, Hispanics, uh, uh, multiple people of color, mm-hmm. blacks, of course, whites, mm-hmm. Cubans, okay. uh, Puerto Ricans. <laughs> okay. We've had three Puerto Rican families last, last week. Okay. It's crazy. Um, and you mentioned something about your church that you moved the flag. Like, and this is like, I want God to like wreck me. Like, I want Him to just take things out that doesn't need to be there, just because I feel like He wants us to steward the people that He brings in. Right. So I got to thinking about, like you said, you moved the American flag. You know, we've all grown up in churches. I feel like we have. I'm, I'm probably the one with a blanket statement where you have the American flag and you have the Christian. You know, in your church. And our church had that. We've had multiple flags of, of nations that we supported over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, put them up, put them down, all that. Um, is part of the diversity in your church perhaps veterans, yeah, uh, people who serve? Yeah. Now, is it, so you, are you saying you removed like the whole 
would you honor them? Is that a thing? We, we oh, still yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we've got okay. men and women of color who served yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not, it's not, you want to, you never leave common sense. Yeah. <laughs> Why is, the, 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 don't don't yeah, sacrifice that's common that's sense. That's good. That's but, good. but, so you always want to honor, but like we did a, so the, we started January off, I think the second Sunday in our church, we did a three-part series called Choosing Unity. And we talked about the presidential because we're going to have people vote on both ends of that spectrum, right. right? Who believe passionately. The white evangelical church and the black evangelical church are more divided around politics right. than a random sampling of white and black people in our community. Why is that? Because God cares about things on both sides of the aisle. Right. And so um, what happens is we can get in these things where, where what it means to be an American can be framed to be one side of the political aisle. And there's yeah. this vibe and feel thing going on. And so it's not, listen, it, yeah. we're not of this world, but we're in it. So we, we need secure borders. Like we gotta use some common sense here, right? We yeah. need our country to be united. Yeah. You know, you don't unhinge from that, but you speak into the biblically what's going on. Yeah. And that's when, the key. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, that is a direct quote from the Old Testament. Look it up. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's talking about the sojourner, the immigrant. Yep. Mm -hmm. And God says, love them as, as if they were native born. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we've, we've got to, we're going to follow the laws, right? We're not, in, in, we're not yeah. advocating that people would be out of status, but we're going to love people as ourselves, right? And yeah. And you can kind of get into these political discourses where what you're doing is you're saying there's an us and a them. Yeah. There's a right and a wrong. And we use language and a lot. So a reconciling word is and. So I'll say America is one of the greatest nations on the face of the earth. And it's responsible for horrific injustice that still right. continues today. And, and you just keep doing that. Our police sacrifice their lives and and, and, and they do incredible things for our community. We're, we're so proud of them. And there's some police who have racial bias and, and are, are causing a lot of challenges yeah. for, you, you know, you just live in the and and communicate the and and teach your people the and and those kind of things. I also don't use the word wrong. I use incomplete. There's kind of two truths or even more than that, like, like rails of a train track happening at the same time. And oftentimes we have an incomplete view of the world because we're just seeing it from our lens. Right. And so there's yeah. some some language like that that you can play around with mm -hmm. that is that helpful. helps out a lot. Just thinking where I'm coming from, just because the you know we still have the American flag on each side, like on the sides, and then the Christian flag on the others. But we, in our language, though, we say something different. We say America's great, but of course we have a lot of shortcomings. You know, it's not perfect at all. We of course love our country. Let that come, or let let that come from as men and women of color serve in leadership and get more involved, yeah. and as they express their own thoughts and feelings around that, let yeah. that be what. Do you agree with that? Start yeah, I, 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 I change. Yeah, I like do, that. but I also think leadership is the, is the key. Like I, I I make it clear to our people, look, um, don't post it if you haven't phrase about it if yeah. you haven't had the conversation. So we mm -hmm. preach have the conversation before you post something. Yeah. Because guess what? The person you sit right next to in the pew may be completely 
completely blown away at something that you posted. And they, you have no clue. Well, now you've lost that connection. So we, we, I, I said to my people, I said, you have, and some of you know me, I've never posted anything political. And, and there's, there's a reason for that. It doesn't mean that I don't have a political, you know, yeah, like uh, my own thoughts, but at the end of the day, I'm about trying to unify people because that's his prayer for us. Mm-hmm. There's already enough di- dividing. You had a question, mm-hmm. brother. Yeah, well, one thing is there a uh, curriculum slash tool uh, that you've taken from that helps you on the road to opening up those uh, they call them mindsets or conversations? Or is there anything that you would say would be a multi-ethnic conversation. Mm-hmm. It's written by Mark DeMoz. Mm-hmm. Mark DeMoz has several books. It's, he has uh, Mosaics, uh, which is a church that's committed to a multi-ethnic future, and then Omiya Okwabi, who's right here in Pasture mm-hmm. in the state of Ohio. They wrote multi-ethnic conversations together, mm-hmm. and it's small group material that has dialogue on, on race and faith. Okay. Are we going to read those authors again? Yeah, we're going to read them. Mark DeMoz and Omiya Okwabi. And I, and my brother does an interesting ministry, but maybe I guess is I just want to back up a little bit on what you guys are talking about. The language is a big thing, and to me, it's become a passion to exercise to actually go through the hard work of reframing some of the things that you say because the way that you say it really is coming from a real place of understanding. Correct. And, and as far as I, I am concerned, that's the work that's worthy of doing in order to reach people that I from my standpoint, don't understand. And I think that's something that really, really, really is worth looking at. Yeah, so so what we, we what we try to say at Metro is guess what? We all have learning to do. Mm-hmm. We all have learning to do. We have not arrived. I don't care if you you know, we have a eighty one year old custodian and, and he says every morning he says to me, Pastor, um, you've been teaching me a lot. It's like, but I've been learning a lot from you. So when we when we come into this environment that I can learn from, <laughs> that you can learn from me, man, that that ground becomes even more level. It's when watch this. It's when I'm entrenched in my belief right. that <laughs> that there's a problem. And those who are entrenched in their belief, the Lord will have to handle. Yeah. Um, I guess I think a lot of times, at least in my experience that I've seen, is that in multi ethnic churches. It won't. It'll. It'll be like you said. It'll be like a sprinkling of other of other um, other cultures, other people groups, but they they they're not necessarily represented. So it's it's they say they're diverse, but it's really they've just assimilated. Um, how do you combat that while not while while at the same time not you don't want to tear down somebody else to elevate somebody else. So how do you combat like? actually having true diversity and not having assimilation to where we all just come and we all worship like this, but instead you can worship how you worship, you worship how you worship, and we both understand. Like, how do you how do you grow that? This is me, This is, and you won't see none of this here. I, I say, number one, prayer is the ultimate uniter. Right. When you pray together, it breaks down dividing walls. I'm just telling you. We just went through a whole month of prayer. I've never seen our church be the way it is because we had an overemphasis on prayer. You name it, had house prayer, prayer with our staff every hour for the whole month. I mean, you name it, it's just all massive prayer. That's number one. I think number two for me is everything comes off the scriptures, everything. If you say that you are Christ following, you're all passionate for him, then guess what? What's going to be the final authority for you? 
What's going to be that authority? It's not about what I think. It's about what his word says. And so watch this. The third part is this. Let's be strategic about it. Because guess what? I can't change people's uh, orientation overnight. So guess what? And sometimes change is difficult for people. So we need to we need to work in our fabric of who we are, this progression. Even with people in church, you guys didn't turn overnight. That's the question she asked. Right. So guess what? What we're trying to do is our leadership team is trying to be strategic in implementing different things that's going to allow us to be us in all our differences. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and you'll fight those battles always. So like the question you're asking, because for people to have voice and position, the, they'll always, the dialogue always starts like this, that person's not qualified. That person doesn't have enough experience. Right. You start talking about having women on your deacon board. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's biblical, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, women make up such a high percentage of our church families, right. and yet... They don't have leadership. I mean, so they're just, but so it'll constantly, you know, one of the fun things, I don't know if you've ever done this, and obviously Uber is now such a popular thing. You ever ride in a taxi cab and ask the driver what they did in their home country? Doctor, lawyer, significant leadership positions. Their credentials do not transfer over to America. They're sacrificing everything they have for the next generation. I'm laying down. That's and so, and so what? Then, and then we have these incredible men, men and women, a part of our church families, and they're totally overlooked. Mm-hmm. They have no voice. They're not understood. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you've been in the church body five years. Let's go out for coffee. Oh, you pastored, you know, five churches and planted twenty. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Maybe. So, so we really have to have dialogue, give voice, opportunity, um, let people tell stories. But it's it's a constant work, right? And people have to make sacrifices. There's qualified people who will have to give up their spot or rotate a schedule so that we can start changing the way our churches look and feel and make structure. And, and if there's, I'm sorry, if, no, if there's one thing that you take away from this is that this is an arduous work. Watch this. Jesus went through it. Jesus went through it. <laughs> the people that were expected to know the law were actually fighting against he who was the law. Mm-hmm. Come on now, mm-hmm. right? And so if Jesus walked through that, we can't fool ourselves to know that it's going to take some time. So this isn't something that we just go back and we write on the chalkboard and say, hey, next week we're going to have a group of you know diversity. Of, no, that's not what we're going to say. But we are going to say, you know what, it'd be great if we can integrate this, or if we can in- integrate that. Because that's, for example, at our annual business meeting, I, I, we have a growing Hispanic population, so we said it'd be great if every once in a while we threw in a Hispanic guy. You know when we did that, people went crazy. Mm-hmm. Pastor, when are we having another song? <laughs> and somebody else said, well, you know as Africans in the church, can we have one of their songs? Or can you have uh, the professor, we have a professor, he's African, uh, in Kenya, he said, he said, we love it when he prays. And so one of our Hispanic people, they came and they said, instead of praying in English, we're going to pray in Spanish. People went nuts. Didn't know a word he was saying, but they went nuts. And so it was just good for the whole entire church. And so it's about leadership. It's an arduous work that you have to continue to work at. And uh, we can get there. We can get there. In fact, that's what the scriptures tell us to do. 
Like, I'm going to just talk real talk. When we're in some of our sessions and some of our churches that we go to, we talk about having these kind of churches, and I look around like, well, where are you starting? Mm-hmm. Like, are you just singing words, or is this, like, true to who you are? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you want to give the takeaways? Yep, yeah. I'll give the takeaways. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. 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 Oh, we're doing pretty good on time. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. good. So, you might have to use that. Yeah. Yeah. So, while we're passing that around, can I just tell a brief story about the Samaritan woman? So, you know, my whole life, read that story, and the conclusion of that story is, here's a woman, you know, who's got all these husbands, and Jesus forgives her. And I never understood the significance of Jesus crossing into Samaria. And so, uh, that whole interchange with the woman at the well, um, when Jesus says, can I have a drink of water? She is astonished, right? And it says in parentheses, when you read your Bible, it says Jews don't associate with Samaritans. But that's not the primary translation of the Greek word. Look it up. Get on blueletterbible.org. It actually says in parentheses to not use jointly. So Jesus says, can I have a drink? And she's astonished because Jews and Samaritans don't use jointly the same cup to drink from. And she's shocked. And so then he says to her, well, you would have known who I am. You would have asked for living water. And then she's then still astonished because then even she says, but you you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Why does he need to? anything to draw water with if she's got such a, because they don't use jointly, right? And so that's the, the whole interchange is about not using jointly, right? And so Jesus drinks from the same cup as the Samaritan woman that day. And then you even get into when the disciples come back from town, they're, they're shocked, who gave you food? Because they know he won't use jointly the same deal, right? So I say that all to say, hey, like Jesus, that's what Jesus is doing, drinking from the same cup of America now. Think of the picture. Drinking fountains that are colored and white. Yep. Beautiful. What year did we stop doing that? Yeah. What? Where did we even get to the legal part of it? Civil Rights Act, which I believe is like, is it sixty-four? Churches filled with the Spirit who have the Word of God are allowing white and colored drinking fountains when 2,000 years ago Jesus drank with a Samaritan woman. The first missionary, she goes back to her village and brings all of her people back. And Jesus says to the disciples, you say it's three months into the harvest. I say, open up your eyes, the harvest is now. What was he saying? A whole group of people that you've written off, the people that are on the wrong side of the railroad tracks, The harvest that is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest that's unwanted. Open your eyes, the harvest is ready right now. And here's what he was saying. When people make a decision to say yes to Jesus, it's not about their individual salvation. It's about them becoming part of the family of God and sharing the same cup. And so Jesus was a trailblazer, right? And then so when you look back at the stories and his interactions with people and the significance of what he's done and then you get into the theology of Paul saying he's come for one new humanity. Right. 
And then you look at the picture in Revelations, you see multi-ethnic churches in Corinth and Romans and all in Galatia. When he's praying, you know, your will be done as earth as it is in heaven, it's all about being a diversely united church because that's how the gospel is accelerated around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Takeaways, become a student, yep. read books, study theology, listen to the news differently. Have you written a group of people off? Uh, start thinking about how can you respond. Build cross-cultural relationships. Guys, it's not about theoretically moving. It's not about making changes That's in your good. church. It's about building relationships, yeah, sitting down, connecting with <laughs> each other. Be intentional about language. I talked a little bit about that. Here's one thing that never works, silence. Silence never works. Something crazy is happening. Our community is divided. It's affecting people groups. Being silent means you're indifferent, right? You need to be all in. Um, break down political barriers. We talked a little bit about this, but, but don't go one track politics either way on the left or the right. Um, and then bravely choose diverse leaders. You're going to have to fight the fight. Right? There's always going to be pushback. There's always going to be an excuse. We're gonna have to take risks, so. And fear, some people will be afraid because it means control for some folks. But um, the beauty of salvation is that there's freedom when it's true, when it's true. So, hey, let us pray, all right? If you have any questions, if you guys would like to get any of this, the notes and other stuff that we've done, um, by all means, um, connect with us right after class. We give you our emails and all that kind of stuff. By no means have we arrived, but um, we are convinced <laughs> That this is the way. This is the way. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your, for your love and your kindness towards all of us. That's when you died for all of us. We have songs that we sing, Lord God, about all of us. So help us to be able to see all of us, Lord God. Give us eyes to see you. Those eyes of compassion that you spoke of to your disciples when you looked at those who needed your help, Lord. I'm just asking that you would just go before each and every person here that they can begin the work that you've called us to. The work, Lord God, that few want to do. We love you, Lord God, and we thank you for your spirit that guides us and leads us. In Jesus' name, amen.